Hello and welcome to You Don't Know Lit. My name is Nick Argyris and this week I'm looking, of course, for the best Christmas book ever written through all space and time. To help me are two festive high school English teachers, Ian and Joe. Hi, Nick. Hi, Ian. I am feeling festive lately. We got the first kind of dump of snow in Wisconsin, at least where I live, and suddenly it's feeling, uh, how does it go? It's starting to feel a lot like Christmas. That can't be right. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Ian had um, a Sprite before the show. He is tipsy off that sugar. <laughs> now was it caffeine free or uh, or, or so- yeah, I bet growing up you had to you had to drink that soda growing up that's like the weird soda that you only ever see at like the weird houses. Oh. So it's like this is diet Pepsi that's also sugar free and caffeine free and yeah. joy free. Tell us about your joy free childhood, Ian. I wasn't allowed to drink soda <laughs> until I learned to read. Oh. And when I had learned to read, I went to the store and I pointed at the most brightly colored soda named Fanta. Mm-hmm. And I got some oh, orange Fanta, Fanta, and it remains a nostalgic drink. Wait, this is amazing. That's a good your first parents, choice. Like, like your for, parents held soda over reading. This yep. has to be Read. a crucial pillar in your life. Absolutely. <laughs> this has to, in, no. in, the, in the subconscious, this has to be this, up there. This does feel like the origin of a college <laughs> essay or something like that. Okay, like, but, yeah. but, 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 but all of my siblings, of whom there are several, had the same experience. None of them are teachers. <laughs> they writing, can't read. So. And they can't read. None of them can read. They still don't know what soda tastes like. I'm very sorry for them. Uh, Nick, if you're looking for a Christmas book this week to put you in the spirit, I have one written by the man himself. Santa? Purportedly. Um, I brought the autobiography of Santa Claus. Um, it, there's another guy's name on the cover, Jeff Gwynn, but I don't get that because like, it's the autobiography of Santa Claus and autobiographies are written by the person. So... I don't know. We'll get to the bottom of it. Well, I hope so. I think you read it. We're going to work through this book <laughs> together today. Uh, yo, ho, ho, Nick. Yo, ho, ho, Joe. And a very yo, ho, ho to you, Litheads. God bless us, everyone. This week, I brought a very holly jolly book about Santa's partner in marriage, but not in crime because they're not criminals. Oh, that's good. They're gift givers. Yeah. This is the sequel to the autobiography of Santa Claus. I brought How Mrs. Claus Saved Christmas. Behind every jolly man is a jolliest woman. May your earlobes turn into assholes and shit on your shoulders. Hey, the plot doesn't fucking matter at all. This is what I think it's about. If you look closely (laughs) enough, every author was at some point a racist. Audiobooks don't count, right? All art is quite useless. (laughs) Who who told you that? Fun fact, that is how Joe laughs. Wait, you brought the sequel to Joe's book? You betcha. Because this is a Lithead recommendation. This is courtesy of... I like the, the jock that you put in that, that that tone there. This is a Lithead recommendation. recommendation bro. Oh, yeah. Wow. Uh, Olivia <laughs> K. suggested this. We were bemoaning the lack of, um, of good Christmas books on this show. And... Um, we still, we're still looking for them. Even after reading these, we're still looking for good Christmas books, but I, I met shock jock and I think you, you did full jock. <laughs> no, I did. I did like a, a high school football boy. Is there any connection between those two things? No, it was, Is shock it was, jock like a bro? Oh, I don't think I don't so. I think so. No, I, I, I misread that situation. No, no, no. <laughs> I want to right now go ahead and issue a 
apology <laughs> to all of my listeners, um, all of our Thank fans you. here today. Thank you. I regret the way I spoke is that's a deep drive into left field. Ken Castellanos makes it a four to one game. Okay. Ian, it's really on that sprite. Um, okay. <laughs> you guys, it was the last day. It was the last day of like regular school. We have finals next week, but I am riding high slash burned yeah, out. That feels really good. One thing about being a teacher is break, guys, like like winter break, snow days, summer break. Lidhuds, if you're not teachers out there, I want to let you know that it is just as good as you remember it when you're a kid. Like you have adult responsibilities, but like it is, it is just no, as no, good. No, no, it's better. It's better. Oh. <laughs> I think it's better because, because you're grown up enough to appreciate it and to say like, yeah. to, to look in and say like for the next four weeks, I'm not going to wake up at 4.50 a.m. I'm going to wake up at 6. Well, and that's mm-hmm. a good thing. Well, welcome, Litheads, to You Don't Know Lit, a weekly, or as we call it, Strongly Podcast, where every week, you or I, or I guess Ian and Joe, pick a theme, a book theme. And just to rightly upset one of them, we pick a winner. And we have some show rules to keep us on track. Of course, rule number one, only unavoidable spoilers today, gentlemen. I think we do pretty good with that okay. rule. Yeah, I, I'm, we, we fail sure. in nearly every other element of this show, including the <laughs> format. But the, the spoilers, we, we take that seriously. Rule number two, omit needless words, Joseph. Rule number three, only winning matters. And of course, we have our shadow rules. And those shadow rules are simple. Simple this week. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. <laughs> he knows when you've been bad or good. So me good, good for goodness for sake. Goodness sake. Yeah. Uh, Joe, your time has started. Tell me about your book. Oh, ho, 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 Nick. You know him by many names. Father Christmas, Papa Noel, Chris Kringle, St. Nicholas. Around here, we just call him Santa Claus. This week, I read what is purported to be his official autobiography. It follows him from his humble beginnings as a boy in Turkey, all the way to who he is today, a jolly old fat man who brings us presents each year. It blends facts and fiction, uh, covers 1,300 years of Santa lore, spans 200 pages, and is a lithead recommendation. Thank you, Olivia. Some people call it a Christmas classic. So this is, uh, this is not entirely fiction. Yeah, you say purported to be. Are you suggesting that it's fake fiction and a lie, or is it all true? These are your two options. Well, all it is not all fake true. fiction and a no, lie. It is, uh, if that is my option, I am going to go with fake fiction and yes. a lie because it is not all true. Okay. There we go. That are. really Fast shed a lot answer. of light on it. Thank you, Joe. Ian, your time has started. Mm-hmm. Hangle Jingle. Did you ever want to know Mrs. Claus's first name? How about the way that war affects Santa's magical powers? Well, good <laughs> news for you. Promise, prominent Texan author Jeff Gwynn has written a book about such things. <laughs> How Mrs. Claus Saved Christmas is equal parts Mrs. Claus origin story, festive world building, and historical fiction, complete with a mostly accurate war on Christmas. Wow, it sounds like the Avengers might be in your book. <laughs> Nick, it's funny you mentioned the Avengers. Joe, is the Christmas team in your book? Yes, the Christmas team is in my book. Are you going to talk a lot about the Christmas team? I'm not going to talk a lot about the Christmas team. Okay, then let's talk about the Christmas team. You guys going to talk a lot about the Christmas team? <laughs> well, actually, this is useful table setting for both of our books. One of the most strange and horrifying parts of this book <laughs> is that Santa and Mrs. Santa, Mrs. Claus kidnap-ish, or maybe just, maybe they do get consent for, from these people to join them mm-hmm. in the Christmas team, on the Christmas team Christmas, the t- Christmas Avengers. Right. And Nick, I know what you're thinking. You're like, yeah, I know about the elves, right? Like we know about the elves. We know about the reindeer. Nick, no, 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 no. These are people that you have heard of. Now I'm not, 
Sometimes. I'm not sure if the canon has expanded for Ian's book, but um, on my team include people like Attila the Hun. Classic. Uh, King Arthur. Yep. Leonardo da Vinci. Yep. Ben Franklin, mm-hmm. etc. Sounds like a Night at the Museum type of a situation. Mm-hmm. It's very, very Night at the Museum-y. Um, Attila the Hun has his wife along. Her name is Dorothy. Is Ben Stiller there to crack Weisenheimers? Uh, probably <laughs> if, if there were a third book or if there were a fourth book, there would be Ben Stiller. Um, There's a third? King Arthur has a friend named Felix who used to be a, a Roman slave. Mm-hmm. Amelia Earhart didn't die. She's with Santa now. Teddy Roosevelt, <laughs> as I mentioned. Uh, the, first, the first woman to write a travel book in the u.s sarah kemble knight is there saint francis of assisi who is nice to birds ben franklin and bill pickett who was a cowboy so Mm -hmm. uh these are the people among others who are bringing you your presents now nick i can see your face um and you are thinking boy that sounds stupid and well maybe we'll get to it later I can see Nick's face uh, kind of like lit up with joy at the idea of Amelia Earhart kind of slithering down his chimney and putting gifts in his family's stockings. Right. Mm. Can you imagine if instead of hearing like sleigh bells and reindeers on your roof, you just heard like Amelia Earhart's like a 1930s biplane. No, she doesn't use a biplane. (laughs) By hanging out with Santa, they all have Santa powers so they can all travel super fast. I'm okay. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Nick, how festive are you feeling, buddy? Because we got a lot of Christmas cheer for you. Great. So uh, who had the first book? I had the first book. Great. You'll go first then, Joe. <laughs> Excellent. And can you please start with this uh, author? Okay. I I can I'd talk like to know l- what's wrong with them. I can talk Santa, only a little bit is. about Jeff Gwynn and the Santa. origin of um and the origin of these books. In the early 90s, Jeff Gwynn is a newspaper reporter, and he's kind of got to crank out columns all the time. And around Christmas time, this time of year, he starts to put together a column that is like, hey, here's some fun facts about the origins of Santa Claus. Like, this is some stuff that you might not know about where our Christmas traditions come from. These are things that we've covered before in the past, like things about um, pagan origins, Yule logs, um, the origin of like Santa Claus himself. Um, Yeah. The lure. As part of that book, or as part of that column, at least, he says he, he he feels like there's room for a larger book at this point, right? And he comes up with this line. It, it strikes him as divine inspiration, right? Um, the first line of my book is Saint Nick, Santa Claus, saying to the reader, you are right to believe in me, right? The very first line of my book, you're right to believe in me, which is a pretty good first line Yo. for a book about Santa Claus. From there, he cranks out this book. He said that was the hardest part coming up with that line. After that, the trilogy wrote itself. We can only assume the trilogy wrote itself because he just didn't have a lot of internal editorial voice. Uh, (laughs) Wait, so there's a third one. There is a third one. I don't know what it is. This is going to be a very unsatisfying episode. (laughs) No, the books are kind of standalone. It's not like cliffhangers at all. The third one is about the growth of sort of Santa in commercial and popular culture. So yeah. there's like mall Santas and things. Mm-hmm. Um, what are you eating right now, Ian? Made a delicious <laughs> cookie. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> You're supposed to leave those <laughs> for Santa, <laughs> right, cookie. Joe? So, Joseph, uh, <laughs> yeah. please m- move on. 
Yeah, so my book starts 1,700 years ago, and my book starts when St. Nicholas, the man who will become Santa Claus, a real person born in Turkey as part of the um, Catholic Church, he is a young boy um, whose parents die. He comes from a relatively well-to-do family. His parents die. They leave him not a fortune, but like they leave him a, a... a modest amount. And he then kind of grows up and joins the Catholic church. Joe, I'm going to need you to, to, before you start telling me things, yeah, clarify, which is the real part. Okay. So the question is, is, is this true? And the answer is, is uh, the easy answer is about the first third of my book is largely based in truth right? Like it tells the story of, of young Nicholas as he grows up, joins the church, um, comes a bishop and these escapades that he would lead. And it's almost the best way that you could describe it to give his fortune away piece by piece to people who are in need. And the way that he gives his fortune away is he climbs ladders in the dead of night. He enters through people's upstairs windows. He sneaks down and he leaves them silver ingots in various clothing items that they have hanging by the fire. That's a very, that's a, that's like a kind of a zero to 60 move. Like, Mm. Yeah, I'm crawling, crawling inside your house. Got these silver ingots for mm-hmm. you. That's that's yeah. intense. Yeah. So the first, the, the short answer is, is the first third of this book seems like it's largely based in fact. I did. I would like to let it be known for the show. I did no fact checking on this book, so I'm just going. I'm just going by my gut, what feels true and what doesn't. Okay. <laughs> One of the things that's weird about this book, though, is it blends so much fiction that is just preposterous, right? Like so much preposterous fiction in this okay, book. Okay, so this this is uh, this is Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter. Y- yeah. I, is that based in truth? <laughs> Abraham Lincoln is a person? Well, I mean, and- this is like, this is kind of the, the move in historical fiction that we we love these moments when stuff that is obviously fictional Abraham matches Lincoln. up against stuff that is stuff that is clearly historical. <laughs> we especially love it when these that, when it kind of kind of blurs a little bit. Yeah. Um. When we like when we have to ask like what's true and what's false. So I think, um, in terms of maybe st- stupidity, this is maybe less stupid than Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter, but it's it's there. Okay, it's it's but, on that spectrum. It's but, on but that spectrum is, for sure. But this is okay. The line between what's true and what fault what's false. When I think of other historical fiction that I've read, I think it always feels like learning to me. I think it's one of the cool things about historical fiction. Like when I think back to Amor Towles and uh, a gentleman of Moscow, and like I get to hang out in that time Not period. How you say his name? No, nobody knows how you say his name. So when I think back to Mister Towel and uh, a gentleman in Moscow. One of the things that I loved about that book is I learned so much about the Russian Revolution. I learned so much. And like, you kind of take a lot of what you read in that book as fact, and it feels like secret learning. When I read this book, the silliness of it in its later chapters made me really question if anything in the first third of it was accurate, it was actually based in fact. It had almost the Hmm. opposite uh the almost the opposite effect on me okay well since we don't haven't fact checked any of this this whole conversation is really unsatisfying so let's move my job is to read a book every week not fact check let's ask the the hard-hitting questions he used to be a journalist which by the way he said he want he he likes being a writer because he can work for three years on a book instead of three days on an article um 
Joe, let's ask the hard-hitting journalistic questions. Mm-hmm. Do you believe, will you go on record as saying that you think it is possible that a magical man can fly around the world in one night? Jesus. <laughs> Tell me what the book is about. Okay, this The book starts with young Nicholas, right? Young Nicholas, as he grows up, becomes a member of the Catholic Church and gives away his fortune piece by piece. By From all we could tell, the actual Nicholas, who would become a saint, um, the actual Nicholas died at about 63 years old. That's this book, old. the pretty yeah, pretty old. Um, For in, that time, in, sure. Yeah. yeah, they make several points when he's like a 30-year-old man. They make a point several times of saying like, <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's common. <laughs> Any day now. Any day now. So the actual Nicholas seems like he died about 63 years old. This book at that point picks up um, what would become St. Nicholas's or jolly old St. Nicholas's life as to what happened next. We don't see his death in the book. He just leaves town, a a bit of a euphemism, right? He leaves town, he wanders, he's getting too much of a reputation in his hometown. People are watching for him at night, staying up and waiting for him. So he goes north and he goes to other towns and starts distributing presents there until he gets found out. And then he goes north and starts distributing presents there until he gets found out. Um, Etc. Et How much cetera. money does he have? Well, he does run out. Yeah. At one where, point. Where, what is the source of his income? Is Santa a capitalist? I kind of think he's not. Oh, he has elves working for him. Well, he's <laughs> no. Santa's an anti-capitalist. Um, Santa, Santa uh, is inherited and is given away. He, the source of his income is his parents left him a bunch of money. <laughs> okay. Totally. It sounds like you hate this book. Let me tell you what I like about this book, I guess, because there's, I think, a lot of silliness in this book and a lot of things that I don't like about it. But the stuff that I like about this book is the secret learning, which is something that comes up here a lot. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, One of the things I learned from this book, I possibly this is a dubious fact, but I it was in the fact section of the book, is that one of the reasons that Santa is depicted in red robes, red robes with white trim is because that would have been his official like garb as a bishop of his station, not puffy and fur lined and things like that. But red trimmed in white is like the sign of a bishop from this area at this time. It goes over other facts, like the fact that the reasons that we celebrate Christmas are very near the solstice, um, things like that. One of the things that I think this does interestingly is there's always this tension between Santa Christmas and Jesus Christmas. This book, <laughs> I actually saw some, I saw some people, I, I saw an interview of his where he told, he said people had called him out. They were like, mm-hmm. your book is contributing to the, to the loss of Jesus Christmas. And he's like, have you, have you read it? Yeah. Okay. The one, one of the things that this book does really well is it, I think really kind of satisfyingly and effectively navigates the tension between those two things. So as Santa, like St. Nicholas, who is this holy man, this pious man, he is canonized by the Catholics right after his death. As he goes on to become St. Nicholas, he in the book talks about Jesus and talks about celebrating his birth. And he acknowledges like, look, December 25th, probably not actually Jesus's birth, but, and this is a quote from Santa Claus in the book, he says, the date of his birth isn't so important. It's just important that he was born at all. So like we celebrate it on this day because we have to celebrate it on Oh, I bet the religious types do not like that one, Joe. (laughs) Keep going. What else pisses off Catholics? 
<laughs> he he talks about the struggle of being Santa, how Christmas nearly disappeared with the Puritans, how like the Catholic, how the how the British uh, crown hated it at one point, how the Puritans hated it. He talks about why he started using chimneys. Um, there's points in this book where like he overhears Christmas songs for the first time, like what would become Christmas carols, I guess Christmas poems they are in this book mostly. Um, and it's kind of fun in the book because they read like fan fiction about Santa Claus. So he hears these things and there he can recognize the truth in them, but then he feels like they're hyperbolic and exaggerated in places and talk about things that didn't actually happen. Um, that's all the stuff that I really liked from this book. Then he enlists the help of Leonardo da Vinci to help him make toys <laughs> and design and his North is, Pole uh, workup. About, about uh, 15 pages in, yes? Yeah, it's, it's about halfway through the book oh, is where okay, I okay. thought it got a little bit silly. Um, he assembles his Christmas Avengers of- Can we call him the Christmas here. crew? Yeah, we could call the him Christmas the Christmas crew. crew. Uh, we see him meeting his first elf. We see him acquiring reindeer. We see him meeting famous inventors kind of making Wait, this actually, entourage through. He actually has elves. Yeah. Well, he has, he, when I say his first elf, I guess I mean Felix in this, like Felix oh. who fills the role of the fuck elf. is Felix. Felix is it's, like a former slave that he meets. Former, that he buys. Roman, Roman was I supposed slave. to know that? Nope. Well, I, I did mention it when you, okay. were, you were doing the rundown of the Christmas crew earlier, but uh, you, we'll let it pass. I know your elf name is famously Felix. No, so we see him meet Felix. We see him um, buy Felix and immediately grant him his freedom. Felix Jeez. doesn't really have yep, what real, a gift, right? Real free the genie move. Um, Felix starts traveling with him because he doesn't have anywhere else to go. Oh, and then we see as they doesn't sound like he bought his freedom. <laughs> Sounds like he just bought him. Yikes. Hey, you guys, what? You're free. You have nowhere to go. I'm heading this way. You want to carry my stuff? This took an unexpected turn. Well, since you're here, um, maybe you could <laughs> get to work. Hey, yeah. I, it sounds like this is the greatest is con man ever. Joe, let me ask you a question. Did he ever kill anybody with a wooden stake? <laughs> um, he does not. Well, you haven't read the third one, so you don't know for sure. I haven't read the third one. It might yeah. be like a revenge trilogy. Yeah, by Felix. Felix is lurking (laughs) in the background the whole time. Santa Claus 3, Felix Strikes Back. I'm really confused because my book also starts in Turkey. And it seems like if St. Nicholas, if Nicholas is in fact a man from Turkey, why do we have the Crimson's Goops? The Crimson's Goose. Right. Are Why you implying not? that they don't have geese in Turkey? No, no, but the name, it's yeah, right there in the name. Is. Why not have a Christmas turkey? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Ian. <laughs> Ian, get a Ian. hold of yourself. <laughs> My Ian's opening God. his second Sprite, guys. <laughs> this is a, a sacred episode. <laughs> You're just tarnishing it with this filth. Yo, ho, ho. Mm. Oh, God. <laughs> not even just. I only have two more things to say about this. Book. Okay, count them down, Joe. Yep, number two. One. We've <laughs> number two. We've already touched on this. I thought the second half of this book was really not great. Um, Olivia, we appreciate the recommendation, but as soon as it started to get into Christmas Avengers stuff, it really lost me, and I <clears> found myself. I'll um, be honest, Joe. It sounds like the most interesting thing you've might have said <laughs> is the second half. So. I, I don't know why we're not focused more on that. So what are they, what are, the, what is this gang, this ragtag gang doing? 
so they he, just fucking up people with joy or well, <laughs> well they all have a role in the santa industrial complex Amazing. right so like Felix, <laughs> um not in my book they don't possibly by ian's book they have evolved into some sort of like jumpsuit situation no oh, right. no but no. like Leonardo da Vinci helps Santa design um, clever toys. Yeah, right? like he, that makes like sense. He helps Santa. Yep, he he For also designs the North Pole yeah, exactly. workshop. Felix is a master of industry, right? Like where where um, Santa can only carve like one toy in a night. Felix carves like. 30 um as because he has some sort of magic let's they just move magic past, as this book goes on. <laughs> sorry i feel like that well canceled <laughs> so yeah they get mad they get more magic as this book goes on it kind of accumulates slowly on you just recapped the only ones we've heard about are there <laughs> other ones what about attila the hun what does king arthur yeah, do what, they, okay did I, you I read this joe didn't read this. the book Oh Joe didn't God. read the book. Wait, did you say you didn't like it, so you put it down? Is that the secret? No, 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 no. I, 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 I skimmed the second half. Um, <laughs> I want to talk about one more thing. Oh, my God. Is that Ian, Joe? YouTube Joe doing a DNF on um, this one. Naughty list. Ian, naughty list. Did you see the other books that Jeff Gwynn has written? Yes. Okay. Yes, and I'm fascinated at the turn. It goes... Yep. Old West, Old West, Old West fiction, um, Bonnie and Clyde's nonfiction, 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 Christmas book, Christmas book, Old West, Old West, Old West fiction. What's the yep. problem there? So it's he's these three Christmas books are such a crazy outlier in his got it in his catalog. He wrote these three Christmas books. I assume they sell money. You know what I was actually thinking about when I read this? Well, what I was thinking about is, you know how like there's so many Christmas movies and so many of them are terrible and there's so many Christmas songs and so many of them are terrible because yeah. it's just like this cyclical thing that comes around. And if you can make something that's even a little bit good, it's just a cash cow. You got to throw that pasta. I think that's got to be what these Christmas well, books these are. Like, so, so, so much money. He said that, that yes. these books let him kind of quit being uh, a journalist and start writing books full time. Um, yeah. Mariah Carey, like with what is her her song? She it's makes a like hundred million dollars a year or something. Yeah, she makes disgusting money just off of that one. And like more power too, where everyone knows it except for me. Mm-hmm. But she makes disgusting money off of that single song. So that single song. So I feel like everybody just dips their toe in Christmas. This is Jeff Gwynn's kind of toe That's dipped the move. in Christmas. You got to do that the Christmas. Let album. him write cowboy books and most recently the life of Marilyn Manson. Uh, I'm sorry, not Marilyn Manson. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Charles I Manson. Read that book. <laughs> the life of Charles Manson and his most recent book called The Road to Jonestown, Jim Jones and the People's Temple. So he mostly writes about like when mass was this book murderers written, Joe? and cults. Uh, my book was published in 1994. I want to say something like that. Early 90s. When I read this book, the main thing it made me want to do is reread A uh, Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens. Like, that's that's really what I kept coming back to in this book. Joe, we do have a Tiffany section. You can save it's, something for the Tiffany section. Yeah, I do. Okay, I have I have one sentence for Tiffany's. I'll save it. Oh, boy. Boy, okay. Well, Jesus, old, old lump of cold Joe over here. <laughs> <laughs> Coley Joe. Gentlemen. Happy almost public domain nope. day. It is. No, it was yesterday. Public domain day was yesterday. Yep. And this is a teaser. Shoot. <laughs> <laughs>
Happy, happy day where Ian forgets how time works. I'm going to take that from the top. Just kidding. I'm leaving this all in. Thank As you, you know, January 1st, the doors of corporate greed open up and we get the ability to go back in time 100 years and steal some dead person's story. Some dead person's IP. It's 95 years. It's not 100 years. Is is public domain not 100? I thought that was... 95. 95. Okay, thank you. Arthur Conan Doyle. Now... Uh, That's Sir Arthur Conan Doyle to you? I was going to say, it seems like it's written down here, but it seems like it needs a sir. Now, this guy Mm -hmm. wrote some Sherlock Holmes. Mm. Oh, he and all of Sherlock Holmes. So this year... The last two stories of Sherlock Holmes open up Mm -hmm. to public domain. The rest of Sherlock Holmes hits the streets. Okay, I will bring us a a book, a book called The Adventure of the Veiled Lodger. Um, Conan Doyle always began the titles of these stories with The Adventure of, just so you know you're going to get an adventure. And I got to say, this Veiled Lodger sure is an adventure. And I will bring the adventure of Shoescomb Old Place. I like it because it has the name Shoe in it, and like my oh, name kind of has Shoe in it. Some it's pretty good. Bias here. I from also Joe really Bowen like himself. that it's the last thing he's ever written. Right? Like it is the final of his fifty-six stories. And once this enters the public domain, yeah, they they're all in the public domain. Published in nineteen twenty-seven. It's super to it. weird to think about because, like, we imagine. Um, Conan Doyle is like always in the 1890s, but this is, this is the jazz age. This is flappers and airplanes and movies. God, he he had to be such a relic by the time he was publishing these stories. But they were still, they were still super popular. Let's talk about this next week and we can talk about the weirdness that is Arthur Conan Doyle and how he was into spiritualism and stuff. Yeah. Ian, gosh, I really hope you like your book more than Joe did. There's no way. Everything nice. Uh, there's Ian no says way about, he doesn't like it more. Everything nice Ian says about his book is going to be a lie. I want he's going to be lying on Christmas. Uh, I want you to, I oh, want to know that right now. No, you can't time. just say that. <laughs> yeah, you can't just establish that. That's unfounded. Now, I, Joe, have you read Ian's book? No, I read, didn't even I read, read his the, own book. I read the prequel to yeah, Ian's Joe, book. Yeah, Joe, you didn't even read one book. Ian, I read half a book and it was plenty. <laughs> Ian Chop Chop. <laughs> okay, so in my book, there are kind of there are kind of two questions. The first part, or the there are kind of two like focuses. The first, the first part. The first question is who is Mrs. Claus? Where did she come from? What is her origin? And Where then did we she go, go to how did she in fact save Christmas? And so the first part, kind of like Joe's book, actually, Jeff Quinn had this had this rhythm. We learn about her background. We learn how she also loved um, giving gifts to people, but pretty quickly we learn it kind of veers away from the historical. And she goes to visit the shrine for St. Nicholas. And then he starts appearing to her in her dreams. She falls in love with him in her dreams. Wow. That's sci-fi. Eventually they, they get awe. They, they become a husband and wife and they, their honey, their honeymoon. Guess what their honeymoon is. Do you want to know what their honeymoon is? No, wait, let me guess where, wait, where Santa and Mrs. Santa honeymoon. What do they do for their honeymoon? Um, Oh, man, it's kinky. (laughs) (laughs) It's not, though. It's so wholesome. They both, the thing they love, the thing that thing they love most in the world, they don't have any kids. The thing they love most in the world is giving gifts. So he says, I'll take you anywhere in the world to give gifts to people. Mm -hmm. And they go on a gift giving mission on 
their honeymoon. It's very, very, it's very nice, very sweet. Finally, our first, our first Mary lesson. Yeah. The, oh, now yeah. that the Grinch is done presenting, if his someone okay. appears to you in your dreams. <laughs> go ahead and marry them because go they're probably going to give you immortality. These and this is not the kind of immortality where she like keeps getting older and older. Mm-mm. Like she's. No. When she marries, when she joins up, she's frozen in time at that at yeah. that point. It's not the cursed so kind of immortality. Yeah. Why would it be? For, why would it be frustrating, Nick? Well, because she's old, right? No, no, aren't, she's like thirty-five. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. I was just picture, picturing the classic. Uh, yeah, Santa Santa classic Mrs. Claus. I would like to point out that Saint Nick is like sixty-three in my book when he stops aging. Yeah, I mean, there's a real May-December situation. Sixty-three. Yeah, mm-hmm. she's thirty. Yep. Yeah, I mean, different times. It's certainly legal. It's a little bit. We we would look askance. Maybe she's a trophy wife. Um, So the (laughs) first (laughs) he is rich. He is famous. He Uh, is esteemed. He has an elevated position in the community. And when she marries him, she has no money left because she spent it all buying and giving food to people. This sounds predatory. It sounds more predatory the more you talk about it. He took slaves. Taking wives. Is there anything he won't take? Destitute wives. I would like destitute. <laughs> Thank hey, you for baby, that clarification. You look destitute. <laughs> Want to come home with me? Um, so this is the first section. Um, we get the backstory on Mrs. Mrs. Hey, Claus. is Rudolph in this shit or not, what? Not in mine. No, no. Nope. Maybe really? in the third one. Yeah. yeah. Oh not in mine. I don't know. It's, it's, Next Christmas, we'll do the third there's one. There's a startling lack of... I mean, it's weird. Jeff Gwynn goes so far into like, um, here are all the cowboys who are part of the Christmas crew, but... <laughs> but not Rudolph! But you can't get a Ru- Rudolph to save your life. Um, after this kind of introductory section, we get most of the book, which is about how Mrs. Claus saves Christmas and wins the war on Christmas. Um, she goes to England. Joe mentioned this briefly. She goes to England in the early 1600s. Um, and in England... Christmas gets banned. There is there are laws against it, and the English have a civil war about this. Um, well, not just about this, but in part because of this. And Mrs. It's up to Mrs. Claus to save Christmas. During this time, Mr. Claus, Uncle Santa himself, is over in the New World, establishing what Christmas here in the right. U.S. The West in the yeah. West. Okay. Okay. So, so they're separate. Okay. Mrs. Mr. Claus, Santa can't help. This series is really his reign of reign, his like rise to power, right? Yeah, I mean, this, this is covers like he st- starts in a small town, and mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, he spreads, he spreads yeah. the like to, to global dominance. Like he yeah. starts as a poor, yeah. as a as a orphan of the small town. Is this colonialism? Is this like a um, it's definitely colonialism this a, and slavery? Yeah, this is colonialism, and, right? I, I don't he know got if it's slaves. We took he wives. Was, he, he, oh, what do you know what it there? is? Do you know? Did you ever play the civilization games let's growing add, let's up? Let's project some meaning on here, Joe. Go so, for it. Yeah, so like in the civilization games, you can win the game a lot of different ways. Like you can win a military victory oh, in the civilization man, I know games. where this is going. You can win a culture victory. You can win a religious victory. This is like a Christmas victory that he wins uh-huh. over the world. It's like his victory uh, conditions. He gets mm-hmm. everybody to believe in Santa Claus and I mean, mostly commercialism and materialism. But, like, yeah. but like, let's be clear. It's, it's not like this book is not about Santa. So yeah. part of the way he wins, part of the way Christmas wins is because Santa builds, I'm putting a team together. Santa yeah. builds the Christmas crew and we get to see <laughs> Mrs. Mrs. Claus as part of the Christmas crew and Christmas mm-hmm. is under attack and, and she, she kind of sweeps in. So the book is kind of like this. It has this tone of a, a realistic backstory. Like 
um, there's a there's a, a movie television movie film show called Wicked. You guys know mm-hmm. this show? You heard about you heard about this? You heard about this? Wicked, yes, it's very popular. Wicked, Wait, it's a musical. Yeah, it's like the true story of the Wizard of Oz. This yeah. is like that, but not sort of twisted. It's just like the things you never knew you ought to know about Christmas. So we get a fairly in-depth discussion of the product development and testing of candy canes, including where the taste came from, how they decided on the shape. Why? What? What about those colors? All of these decisions are kind of hashed through. Um, And I think the idea is that some people enjoy having traditions historicized. Some people like knowing where traditions come from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but but this is fake. Well, but yeah, but like, <laughs> but it's all fake. Like Joe, Joe was using the term like the the word myth, and like this yeah. is all fake. And so and so, yeah. if it's fake, he can say like, hey, I don't know. Maybe we'll never know the origin of candy canes, or maybe the origin of candy canes is super boring and corporate. Here's a story about how Leonardo da Vinci and King Arthur worked together to taste test <laughs> the so best stupid. flavors of mint. So, so I just can't be, get over it. When I was a kid, there was a book that was really popular called called An Indian in a Cupboard, like the Indian in the Cupboard. And what happened is you put your toys in the cupboard and they came to life and you ended up with like this incongruous mishmash of like Indians and cowboys and King Arthur and other knights. Like, I love that movie as a kid. What's the problem? It's it's Toy Story. Oh, God, I don't know. This is so. Um, where were you stupid. going with the premise? That show? The premise is so stupid. That's that's, the, that's what, what part saying. of Santa isn't stupid. Yeah, this is all dumb. This is all, and it's all it's all like heartwarming too. It's this is this is one of the things I'm going to talk about in a little bit. Is it's this all a, like, yeah? Is this uh, man? Hey, you're done, Grinch. Okay. Ian, is this genuinely like a sweet read? It's so positive. Is this like, like a nice little <laughs> Christmas story you, that Joe like, just is, had a bad day about? <laughs> this is very like like there, there is. There is some um there is some kind of like some kind of danger because there is a war on Christmas. There's got to be some danger, but it's not really that intense. It's pretty it's pretty even keeled. Like I could easily see reading this to a child who I wanted to lie about. Lie to about lie to, yeah. about. Yeah. Really if I wanted expand to the deceive lie. a child about Christmas, I would use this book. That's my recommendation. You're yeah. welcome. Jeff Gwynn, put that on the cover. Uh, I want to talk more about historicization, though, because what he's doing is he's not like amping up in this book, the the magic stuff, the fantasy mm-hmm. elements. Some people might prefer more fantasy focused, like how can he see you when you're sleeping? What does this mean for privacy laws? But this book is not really <laughs> that so much. This book is more like, hey, so what hey. would it be like if a person lived for a thousand years? Mm-hmm. Like, how would they think about time? How would they think about their place in the world? How would they think about relationships? How would they think about trust and making new connections? Oh, he's like a vampire. It's like a good vampire. Yeah. (laughs) Like a vampire who, instead of taking blood, gives candy canes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There is no hunter, no vampire hunter here. Well, there actually is kind of a guy who's hunting Mrs. Claus because he thinks she's a spy for the king. Well, he's not that scary. I hope they kill him. Uh, they don't kill him, but they they draw his fangs, as it were. The history in this book he, is wait, actually, he has fangs. Well, no, I think it's metaphorical yeah. fangs. Oh, okay. Because I was going to get back to the that whole vampire kind of, line. Yeah. The, the history in this book is actually pretty interesting, and this is um, this is what this is our trope of the week, Joe. 
Wow, 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 wow. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Another one of those tell. one of those traditions which if you haven't been listening religiously you're going to yeah. Um the trouble of the week is artistic license. And the idea <laughs> here is that yeah. creators are allowed to be inaccurate if the inaccuracy serves the story better than accuracy would. And me read that again. Yeah. Creators are allowed to be inaccurate if the inaccuracy serves the story better than accuracy would. So if yeah. inaccuracy makes for a better story than strict letter of the law accuracy, yeah, sure. Artistic license says go for it. Do do the thing that'll make the best story. So there is legitimate history here. There was a group who legitimately believed that Christmas was a bad, evil thing. They took political control and then they banned Christmas. This is like ma- the matter of a matter of public record. Mm-hmm. All right, and it's serious enough that our main characters actually spend some time in a dungeon because they won't stop celebrating Christmas. Mm. but it's artistic license. Uh, Olivia, who recommended the book, says the historical liberties taken are kind of grown worthy. Yeah, and she yes, does say that. Yeah, there is some grown worthy Give me the best example. Here. Oh, uh, boy. What's the best example? Um, it's the it's the dialogue. It's the dialogue. These people are talking like to, the book was published in 2005. They're mm-hmm. talking like people who are living in 2004. Really? Yeah. Um, <laughs> using using figures of speech that we would today. Uh, like it doesn't sound old timey, which you kind of. Yeah, expect. but you know why? But you know, you got to is for the next generation of right of kiddos be hip it's for the kids. Uh-huh. Um, all of this being said, yes, it is grown worthy. Yes, there's artistic license. I did learn some interesting stuff about a time when a powerful political group legitimately thought Christmas was bad for people. And so they used their power to ban the celebration of Christmas. So now yeah. I know. And now it sounds you to me like too. Santa and Mrs. Claus are union busters. Um, a bunch of people got together and decided to fight the Christmas powers that be. Mrs. Claus came down, strong armed them, forced them into taking some sort of. Yeah, I don't know if that's going it sounds anywhere. Like, Joe, actually, it sounds I, like you have a plum in your pudding. <laughs> so I was actually remembering uh, while I was reading this book this week, I was remembering what Olivia wrote with her <laughs> with her um, thing. And I. I am happy to say that to see that she said some of the historical liberties taken are kind of grown worthy because I remember her just talking about it as historical inaccuracies, which was how it existed in my brain and a a criminal understatement. Okay, great. I have one more thing to say, and that is that this book is for a very specific kind of person. The Christmas Fiend. Oh, the Christmas Fiend. You guys know wow. Christmas Fiend? Yeah, yeah. Get, let's get some air horn for that, yeah. Joe. Wow, 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 wow. That's I, I like the, just the one air horn. <laughs> that was so good. Joe, do the one again. That was the best. <laughs> wow. 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 That's much well, it wasn't really one. a literary trope. Like Christmas fiends aren't a literary trope. They're like a real world trope, oh, right? They're they're an archetype. They're an archetype. Yeah. You guys know the Christmas fiend. The Christmas fiend is very 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 fixated on Christmas. Their houses have too much decorations. Their tree is gigantic. They have oh, like yeah. four or five separate parties between December 1st and December 25th. Their closets right. are crammed full of ugly sweaters. They sort of see Christmas as a source of cultural or societal redemption. This is not, they don't think of it as ironic at all. It's very earnest. 
Yeah. Um, it's like it's like if 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 Netflix or Hallmark Christmas movies were a person, but <laughs> not at all cynical. But you yeah. all know these people. I think the other thing about Christmas fiends is it is an extension of their identity. Right. Like you identify nah, no, it. It's, a, it's their whole identity. Right. It's like those. Disney people or something yep, yep, like yep. that. Their Christmas tree will have like fake presents under it. Just just because you've got to have the presents. <laughs> like If there's not snow, they're well, it buying does look a little empty. They're buying yeah. powdered sugar and they're spreading it. They're spraying it through a fan. Yeah. So like the Christmas fiend is the kind of person who will like the, the heartwarming, the sweetness of this. They will literally. Well, not literally. They'll figuratively eat this up. Mm-hmm. And. Like, it's fascinating to read a book that is just, I can imagine the kind of person who just like, this is their jam. They adore (laughs) this book. This is like the whole Christmas fiend lifestyle. This is an extension. You just sound very judgy. Somebody pointed out Mm -hmm. that each book has 24 chapters. Oh, boy. Which is the perfect number of chapters to read one every night. It's an advent book. It's well, yeah, it's yeah, it is. It's an advent book. You guys are kind of both grinchy about this one. <laughs> Welcome to Tiffany's. A safe a f- safe place for you both to say something positive about your book without it being held oh, against no. you. <laughs> I'm re- I'm waiting. One thing. Okay. Um, If we are saying a positive thing about our book, the thing I liked most about this book is I thought how it navigated the the chasm between Santa Christmas and Jesus Christmas. I thought it was tastefully and tactfully done, which was the only tactful thing in this entire book. Okay. (laughs) Turned into a classic Tiffany's. Anyway, my Tiffany's is that this book includes the excellent moment of King Arthur sitting on a couch at the North Pole, eating pizza and watching a DVD of the musical Camelot and giving historical accuracy critiques of what's happening in Camelot. And that moment, that will never be taken away from me. It's really funny. Uh, that is really that, good. That, that is, yeah. it's a beautiful thing. And I'm, I'm joyful that I have that in my life now. The movie? Yes. <laughs> I, I, that is really cute. That is really cool. Like, sit, like King Arthur's watching. He's like, this isn't how it fucking happens. <laughs> well, and it's his favorite movie too. He's like, it's like movie night. Boy, I, um, you know, it'd be easy to tell Joe that, Hey, you didn't read the book. You, it would um, be. Yeah. Take you, it easily. You didn't like it. You didn't say a single positive thing until I, I said, made you. I said several okay and, things about it. <laughs> and and I don't think you deserve to win Christmas week. Right. But you know what? You know, Grinch Grinches be making Grinches. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. I think we got to flip this one. Ian, you lose. Um, <sighs> Joe, we need to show Joe the spirit the of... true meaning of Christmas. The Christmas of forgiveness. Spirit. And that mm. means forcing him to talk a little bit more about That's this right. book. That's right. Make him read so the book out loud. <laughs> Joe, Joe, we want to make sure you read some second, of Somewhere in the second half of the book, please. <laughs> so um, I'll just say right now, Leadheads, it's that special time of year when you can cuddle up with your loved ones. Um, wait until they fall asleep. Take your headphones, which are currently playing You Don't Know Lit. Mm-hmm. Pop them in their ears very quietly. Mm-hmm. And when they wake up, they if will they also... Wake up, 
No, they will wake up oh, because okay, they'll, be, they'll be laughing and happy about the books that they've heard about on this podcast. Sweet. You don't know that podcast.com. So uh, Lidheads, please do at the Christmas season when you're seeing people you don't usually see. Uh, people you might like not see much again for the next couple of, of months, you know, because it's family and so forth. Tell your family about the show and tell them, you know, that this is the, the reason that you are the way that you are. You can uh, suggest themes or books as Olivia has done. Thank you, Olivia, for this uh, week's suggestion of both theme and books. Um, you can suggest a theme or books at you don't know lit podcast.com. While you're there, you can also request a stickums. I have five or 300 stickums still lurking in my office, and I'm happy to send one out to you. It's a little bit too late for crimson stickums. Crimson stickums are too late, but we can still do Dr. Martin Luther King Day stickum <laughs> if you reach out soon enough. Um, and in closing, uh, uh, Lidheads, uh, Merry, Merry Crimson and a Happy New Year. Merry, God bless Merry us, Crimsus. everyone. This is from um, St. Nicholas is explaining why he is writing this book. And he says, uh, Santa Claus is explaining. He says, I'll, I'll tell you what I can, but I must say this right away. There are some answers I don't know either. That's the difference, the very important difference between illusion and magic. Illusion is when something happens that seems impossible, but eventually can be figured out. Magic is when something happens that can't be understood. Quite simply, illusion is explained, but magic just is. There's some illusion in what I do, but there's a fair share of magic too. You'll learn about times I couldn't quite understand what was happening to me and how I finally realized there are some things that can't be understood, just accepted. But what I hope you'll learn above all else is that the real magic of Christmas involves love and that the greatest joy is in giving rather than getting. Just as this isn't a perfect world, Christmas isn't a perfect holiday and won't be until all human beings on this beautiful planet can live together in harmony. No single person can make this happen, but if we each do what we can, then there's still hope that one Christmas day we'll find ourselves enjoying the most wonderful gift possible, complete peace on earth and goodwill from everyone to everyone. Well, that was quite a speech I let myself make. Layla, I suppose she's better known as Mrs. Claus, would point out that I was sounding like quite an old windbag. Get on with the story, she'd say if she were reading this, and she'd be right. It's time to begin. After all, I don't want to put you to sleep. Unless, of course, it's Christmas Eve. <laughs>